All right. Welcome, everybody, to Finance Essentials with Danny Hudson. I am your host, Danny Hudson, and welcome aboard to this beautiful episode. Um, I apologize. It's been a couple of weeks since I had the opportunity to uh, to chat with you guys, but things have just been things have been crazy. You know, we had uh, we had some illnesses kind of running through the house, and so kids were home, and we were home, and so there wasn't any school, uh, so there wasn't a lot of getting out of the house, and then there was some traveling down to Orlando for, you know, fantasy football draft, and got to see a soccer game while I was there, and, and the, the opportunity was just not, was just not there to be able to, uh, to get in front of the old camera here and, uh, and chat with you guys, so I apologize for the uh, for the delays that we have here, uh, but I'm really glad that I'm able to to make it here today because I always enjoy getting to uh, to talk with you guys. And so um, we got a great show. Um, I'm I'm fired up because again, you know, haven't gotten a chance to talk to you guys in a couple of weeks, and so I've been sitting on this topic um, for you know for for a few days now. I guess probably about a week or so, and so I didn't get the chance to uh, to really talk to you about it. Uh, which hopefully you guys are. Well, I, you guys won't be as excited about it as I am, but I'll make you as excited about it as I am, and hopefully you won't be quite as angry or upset about it as I am, um, but if you are, that's okay, right? Because the type of stuff that's going on that really is impacting us on our day-to-day basis, on our day-to-day lives, and, and part of our community um, is really being taken advantage of as far as, you know, at a, at a federal level. And so it's very important for us to, uh, to know about those things. But, um, but I really appreciate you guys tuning in. If this is your first time listening to, uh, to the show, uh, welcome aboard. Um, I'll probably make some references to some prior episodes here and there, uh, but, uh, but I definitely encourage to go back and listen to some of those prior episodes if you get the opportunity. Um, because all of this is, is evolution, right? We're, we're growing as we're learning. Um, we're expanding our knowledge base, our, our, what, we're, what we're familiarizing ourselves with. And so they're all kind of interlinked. Um, and it really kind of gives you a big picture uh, as far as what we're, what we're looking at on a, on, a, on a high level and a holistic view, right? Um, but, uh, but if you get the chance, follow us on social media. We're, we're located on most of those platforms, all that kind of good stuff. Um, particularly Twitter, which is where we tend to be the most active. But uh, but yeah, we got a great show. Um, and let's see here. So thinking about some of the stuff that's going on in the news these days, um, you know, schools are opening back up again. Uh, some places are going for mass mandates. Some aren't. Um, you know, I know our local school district here, they're wanting to do a mass mandate. So we made sure we held back, you know, our, our oldest here for, uh, you know, for another school year. And, and hopefully we'll figure out how to to get that discussion underway. I think the person that's in our district actually supports the, the kids wearing, wearing masks. So, uh, so you, you never know. We might, we might have a conversation in a year from now and I might be running for school board district person, whatever, whatever that person is. Uh, cause you know, if, if that's, if that's where you think that the kids need to be wearing those things, then, uh, then we should vote you out. You know, if you're listening right now and you don't like that, well, you know, tough. It's not your show. So what are you gonna what are you gonna do about it? Uh, but let's see. So that's kind of going on. Kids are back in school. Um, you know, oh, big one. The big one that's going in the news. You know what? And I'm gonna spend a few minutes on this. I wasn't I wasn't intending to do this, but I'm but I'm going to um, mainly because it's it's a little bit of a rant here, right? 
Um, so as, as I'm sure you, well, if you've listened to prior shows, you've, you've heard that I am supportive of Joe Biden pulling out of Afghanistan. Uh, a lot of people, you know, cause if you go back, if you get the opportunity, if you haven't listened to the episode with Scott Horton, please do so. Scott is, is so mind blowingly far ahead of 99% of us when it just comes to his knowledge uh, about about foreign um, you know about foreign policy it's 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 absolutely amazing um, and so we got a chance to talk about it and so uh, if you get a chance to go back and listen to it but uh, you know we've spent what I think estimated in, in Afghanistan was like over two trillion dollars uh, you know kind of investing in the country and and building up you know whatever right and it all fell apart within a week or two which makes me think that a lot of the people that were um, well, for one, right, they don't care about having the U.S. there, right? They don't care. What they cared about was the fact that we were funneling trillions of dollars into their country. And so they were like, yeah, you're going to pay me to hold this gun and sit over here and, you know, I'm just not going to do anything. But I'm sure, hey, you're going to keep sending me a paycheck. You're going to spend trillions of dollars here. Why not? And then as soon as we leave and the Taliban comes coming in and they're like, well, wait a second. I'm not getting paid anymore anymore by these Americans. Why would I want to fight? I don't care. You know, I'm going to go back to my village or whatever, you know, whatever. So th the way I'm looking at it is, is, is that us pulling out was was 100 percent necessity. Right. We, we had to do it. Um People will argue about, oh, well, was it the right way or, or blah, 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 blah. The truth is, is that if we sit here and we argue about that, right, then we're going to lose the fact that everything the government does is a failure. It's all a failure. Them pulling out was going to be a failure. Them going in was a failure. That's just the way that they operate. Um, the problem is, and this is the, one of the issues that I find with this is, is that essentially Biden is is being crucified by a lot of people, uh, you know, for botching the pullout and all that kind of stuff. And and the issue and the problem that I have with that is, is that going forward, other people that are in that position may not want to pull out of a foreign occupation for the fear of something like that happening again, which means that we will be in, in perpetual war everywhere that we are currently and, and potentially adding more places forever, right? Because no one will be will have uh, the cojones to actually pull out because they're afraid it'll impact their poll numbers or, you know, whatever it might be, which is crazy. You know, the the real thing would have been to do is, the smart thing would have do, been to do, what what's the... Um, Oh man, what's the saying? It's like uh, um, the best time to do something was 10 years ago, but the second best time to do it is today, right? So the best time to pull out of Afghanistan would have been when Osama bin Laden was killed, even though he wasn't even there anyway. He was mostly in Pakistan, but whatever. When he was dead, when he was killed, uh, the best time to pull out would have been then. The second best time to do it was yesterday, you know, or today or whatever, you know, whatever the saying is. So they're going to argue about that. But but one of the other things that that I have I happen to have an issue with is and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are, are familiar with this, is that as the U.S. left, they left a lot of hardware behind. They left a lot of hardware. And when I'm talking about hardware, I'm not talking about AK-47s. I'm talking about crazy stuff. 
So think about it, right? You live in a country where you can't own a machine gun, right? Because they don't trust you having a machine gun. Uh, but yet now the Taliban, right, who have been our, you know, enemies slash friends slash whatever they were for the last two decades. And then, you know, we were helping fund them to fight the Soviets before that and you're whatever, whatever it is. But now they control not only all the weapons, machine guns, 50 cows, all that kind of fun stuff that I can't get. Right. I, I, I just I can't even pay for it. But they get it for free. What? What is that? You know, the Taliban gets a 50 cal for free. And I, well, I mean, I guess I probably could get one. But whatever, that's not the point. The point is, is that they got all of this stuff for free, uh, including 200 aircraft. They got over 200 aircraft. They got Black Hawk helicopters. They got A-29 attack planes. They got C-130 cargo planes. They got Humvees. They got all kinds of stuff. And, and... Yet I can't have that. And when I paid for it, I mean, I didn't pay for all of it, you know. Let's be honest. Most of us didn't really pay for it. They printed the money up or whatever. So, you know, whatever. Imagination paid for it. But still, like, that's crazy, right? I mean, all these guys. And, of course, they're bragging about it. They're posting pictures on Instagram and Twitter, you know, of their spoils of war that they got. They're making us over here that would like to be able to buy a machine gun. Jealous because now they have all this all this stuff and, and we don't get it. Anyway, anyway, that was that was a little bit of a rant. So I, I apologize. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. Um but we'll see how that continues to develop. I think at this point in time right now, they're focusing on trying to evacuate and, and get people out of the country. And, and hopefully, um, you know, all the people that need to get out uh, or even that want to get out. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how I kind of feel a lot about, about that stuff. It's not really economic driven. Um, it's more discussions around immigration or whatever. But at the end of the day, um, I don't want anybody to get killed. I don't want anybody to die. I want, uh, I want, if, if you don't belong there, if you're not supposed to be there, I hope they're able to, to, to get all of those, those folks out separately. Um, but today what I wanted to focus on and what I wanted to spend a little bit of time on talking about is this new, um, they're calling it a budget plan, right? They're calling it a budget plan, which is, which is a little bit deceiving. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose, but it's a little bit deceitful because it makes you think that it's a budget, right? But it's not. It's not a budget. Um, what it is is it's about a $3.5 trillion plan, right? This is about a $3.5 trillion plan of money that the federal government would like to spend um, on whatever, Right. You know, again, looking at the last 18 months, I feel like a broken record when I talk about this kind of stuff. But they have three point five trillion dollars that they want to spend on stuff. Right. Because as we've talked about in the past, right, they, they, they have essentially shoehorned themselves in this position where they have to act like everything in the U.S. is roses and smells wonderful, and everybody's doing great, and we're creating record numbers of jobs and all of this. But then on the other side of their mouth, they're going, oh boy, we need to print up trillions of dollars because all of these people need help, right? Uh, we've got wealth inequality, and we've got this, and we've got that, right? And so they're they're really trying to say that that where we are right now is better than it's ever been, but it's also worse than it's ever been. And that's why they need to print up $3.5 trillion for other stuff. And so what I wanted to do was, was spend a little bit of time 
breaking down what that $3.5 trillion is and then relate it to um, a piece of legislation, which I don't know, I don't know if the legislation really ever came to light, um, mostly because people laughed at it and they made a joke about it and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, but compare it a little bit to, um, something that was essentially ridiculed for, uh, you know, several years ago. Uh, but anyway, so this $3.5 trillion plan, right? Um, and what they want to do is, and, and what, well, actually, so again, this is a budget plan, right? It's not, it's not the budget. Um, the, the budget was put forward in in may and it's six trillion dollars six trillion dollars which i think that's for the 2022 plan and if i recall correctly the 2021 budget was 4.8 trillion dollars so a year over year we're talking about a 1.2 trillion ish dollar increase um, from Biden. And I think they only anticipate about $4 trillion in revenue. So we're looking at about a $2 trillion budget deficit uh, over a year. And, and, and if you think about it too, right, I think Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, payroll taxes, that kind of thing is about $1.5 trillion uh, in quote unquote revenue, right? It's, it's revenue to the government, but it's money that they're taking from you. Uh, and then the income taxes are about another $2 trillion. But if, I mean, just think about that, right? You're talking about $3.5 trillion that is money that you and I will never see, right? It never hits your bank account because it's taken from you or from your employer or whatever before you ever even get paid. $3.5 trillion. That's crazy. And about 65% of this budget this $6 trillion budget is going to cover, you know, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and, and, and so on and so forth, which again is crazy, right? I, I'm 37 years old. Um, I know my gray, my gray and my beard probably makes you think that I'm a little bit older than that, but, uh, but I'm about 37 years old. I'm not going to get Social Security, so I've been paying into that thing for, you know, 20 years or whatever it is at this point. I'm never going to get that kind of thing. Um, so 65% of that budget is to, to income. You know what? Now that I think about it, though, I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about the budget because I think that that would actually make for a pretty great episode to really break down to you guys what goes into a federal budget. Um, again, right, we're talking about six trillion dollars in expenditures, approximately four trillion dollars in revenue. What is that gap? You know, there, right? Because they have to pay for it somehow, so they they print it up or you know whatever. Uh, but I think that that would actually make for uh, I think that would actually make for a, a, a pretty interesting episode because because the bulk of it is what they call mandatory spending, right, or mandated spending. So when you talk about um, or when you read about discussions of discretionary spending, right, some of these guys want to spend this money, but some of these guys don't want to spend this money. So they, they try to negotiate, which, I mean, let's be honest here, the, the Republicans at this point uh, – are essentially kind of controlled opposition, right? They don't they don't really ever go back, and so the Democrats will propose, uh, you know, a five percent increase, uh, but the Republicans won't ever go. No, 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 no. We need to decrease it. 
they'll just go, well, 5% is a lot. Let's go with 3%, even though we can't afford where we currently are. Um, and so they don't really, you know, they don't really put up a fight. Uh, but I think that would be pretty interesting. So I'll break down uh, that May budget proposal for the, the 2022 year. But anyway, so about this $3.5 trillion plan, uh, right, that again is not a part of the budget, but they still want to spend this money. Um, and so the, the bulk of it, which is about $725 billion, um, is for health, labor, and education pensions. Now, if you go back and you have listened to some of the prior episodes where we talked about some of these spending packages, um, we talked about the absolute disaster and, and mess that all of these pension funds are in, right? I mean, we're talking to the tune of, of hundreds of billions of dollars um, in, in uh, gaps from what these pensions have promised to pay out and what they actually have. And so what they've done is, is that over the course of several budget, or not, not even budgets, but packages, they have funded these programs, right, of, of all of these pensions. And so that way they have been able to kind of bridge that, to bridge that gap. And so with so this 725 billion, now again, right, this isn't benefiting any of us. This isn't, this isn't, you know, it's not building roads. It's not, it's literally just filling a gap in a pension. So you're paying to fill a gap in, well, actually you're not even paying, you know, this that we talk about, well, how you're paying it is through inflation, right? Where, where you're going to take the hit is the fact that the value of the dollar that you have sitting in your bank account is worth considerably less than it was a year ago. So that's how you're paying for it. Uh, but for the most part, they've even given up on trying to tax, you know, for, for a lot of this stuff. But, but anyway, we've, we've already talked about that. We've talked about that on some prior episodes. I, I recommend you going back and listening. Uh, but also, too, with this $725 billion that they're going to do, um, it is to, intended to provide um, for universal pre-K, uh, for three to four-year-olds, um, child care for working families, which I don't even know what that means. What does that mean, child care for working families? Uh, you know, I mean, you're talking about three quarters of a trillion dollars here, and, and it's talking about child care for working families. Uh, and then free community college, um, funding for HBCs, which are uh, historic black colleges, and then expansion of the Pell Grant. So, so um, you know, your, your higher education, those guys are going to get their, their boost, right? They're going to get their, their bonuses. Um, and then universal pre-K for three to four-year-olds is also going to be covered. So, so if you think about it like this, right, you, there's not enough daycares. There's not enough preschools. There's not enough pre-Ks. And a lot of it is because it's not cheap. It's not cheap to start a preschool. You know, having the facilities, they have to pass all of these inspections and you have to have these licenses and you have to have this insurance and you have to have all of these things. And then when you hire somebody, they also have to have X licenses and they also have this and they have to have this. And then on top of it, you're paying payroll taxes and you're paying social security taxes and you're paying all of these things for all of your staff. Um, and it's expensive. And so a lot of times people are always like, and, and you probably have had 
these types of discussions before where you're like, oh my God, daycare is so expensive. You know, like when we lived in Seattle, um, you know, we were paying like 18, over $1,800 a month. And this is several years ago. We were paying over $1,800 a month for one kid to be at daycare, over 1800 bucks a month. Uh, that's more than our mortgage. That's more than our mortgage is here. Uh, you know, and so it's over 1800 bucks. And you know how much the teachers were getting paid? They were getting paid like 14 bucks an hour, you know, something like that. And so everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, daycare is super expensive. And these guys, they're not getting paid very much money. And it's like, yeah, both of those can be true. And you know who else isn't making a ton of money? The owner, you know, for some reason, a lot of people tend to have this idea that if you're a business owner, that you're rich. Uh, you know, everybody seems to think when when they're like, oh, you know, the the businesses should should pay for this. And if you're a business owner, then you're uh, you know exploiting workers and and all of that kind of stuff, which is which is total nonsense. Which I think most of you guys understand. You know that that a lot of that is total nonsense. Um, but a lot of that money is sucked away. It's sucked away in everything from rent to utilities. To like we were talking about before, insurance, payroll costs, fees, licenses, all of that stuff has to be maintained uh, by these facilities. And so what this is going to do, right, is this is going to provide funding for universal pre-K for three to four-year-olds. Now, think about it like this, right? You now have a business and your customers have an unlimited amount of money, right? I mean, I'm sure there will be some limitations or, or you know, whatever that might be there. Um, and so your customers now have an unlimited source of money. And you're like, well, hey, you know what? My people need to get paid more and I would like to make a little bit more and that way I'm not, you know, essentially living month to month and my business is not living month to month. What's going to happen? The cost is going to go up, right? The cost is going to go up and now you're basically funded automatically. And a lot of times in situations like that, the quality is also going to go down, right? Because now what you're going to find is, is that the demand is totally outstripping the supply. And so when, 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 if you've had to put a kid in daycare before, um, you know, sometimes you have to put on a wait list for like six months, you know, you, you find out that you're going to have a kid and you're like, oh man, you're three months along. We don't have a waiting a spot on the wait list yet for daycare. We need to start finding out where we're going to send this kid and, and that kind of thing. And so that's only going to make it worse, Right. And so what you're going to find is, is that the cost of child care for three to four year olds, just like everything else that the, that the government tends to get involved in, is going to get more expensive. Look at, look at housing and look at college and look at health care. And I mean, look at inch, I mean, look at, look at all of this stuff that the government has really directly gotten itself involved in and, and the cost just absolutely just explode. And so the people, the people that will really get the shaft are going to be the people that are going to be in positions where, you know, um, say for example, if it's a voucher, right, they provide up to $1,500 a month. Um, and then the schools that were charging 
1500 bucks before now they're going to charge 2000 and so the people that can't necessarily get into the the quote-unquote good places they're going to be they're going to be hurt by it um but also too the 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 people that are going to end up getting hurt by it are the people who are just kind of outside of the threshold right of of being able to to get in and maybe they don't quite qualify so they're going to see all of these these crazy um, costs go up. And the same thing is going to be that, that way for community college. Community college costs are going to skyrocket. Um, and then also to the, um, the colleges and stuff like that are, are also going to be the same way. But so the next piece of it is about $110 billion for the Judiciary Committee, including instructions to address lawful permanent status for qualified immigrants. $100 billion to address lawful permanent status for qualified immigrants. What does that mean? $100 billion to process some paperwork? What? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Um, maybe I should know. I mean, if I'm talking about it, maybe, maybe it's something I should be aware of. Uh, and then there's $135 billion for Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, uh, and they're going to be addressing forest fires and, you know, drought concerns and reduced carbon. And so I think what they're going to do is they're going to pay the rain clouds to rain more, but not in areas that are flooding. They're going to pay to have them rain in the drought areas, and so that will fix those issues i think that's i think that's what the plan will be with 135 billion dollars uh and then 330 billion and this one's really scary right this one is really scary uh 330 billion for banking to invest in public housing housing trust fund housing affordability and equity and community land, land trust now we have talked about on prior episodes how private equity firms like BlackRock and others are buying up massive amounts of single-family homes. I've even read articles that talk about how America should become a, a, a country of renters. You know, this is the type of plan that goes into that. Um, and and it's, it's absolutely crazy to think about the fact that they are, are trying to move in the direction of owning all of this property right and and forcing people to rent to them because then they can control right there's there's more control um that that goes into that and if you want to know how um, a lot of government housing and stuff is run uh there was a documentary about a uh um, a public housing project that was in i believe it was in st louis and it was called pruitt igo and it's absolutely just fascinating right it's so fascinating because they spend all of this money and they and they make it look beautiful and all of this kind of stuff and they're like oh this is going to help out um, you know the the less fortunate and and so on and so forth um, and then it turns into uh, something that they had to to demolish right they had to tear it all down because it was it wasn't it wasn't well maintained it, it cost an arm and a leg uh, but it wasn't well maintained there was a lot of crime you know unfortunately kids ended up living there so they were in very poor circumstances living situations and things um, and it was very tragic to watch but it's a very fascinating to see that that is how that system um, operates and it will almost always turn out that way 
And then the other one is $200 billion for energy and natural resource committee related to clean energy development, which, you know, again, I feel like a broken record, right? Every time they're printing up several trillion dollars, there's several hundred billions of dollars that's invested towards, towards clean energy. Now, like we, we've also talked about, right, to pay for all of this, the debt ceiling has to be increased by October 1st. And again, newsflash, it's going to be. It's going to be. Republicans aren't going to put up a fight. The Democrats obviously want it. Uh, you know, so it's it's going to be increased and they'll add another $10 trillion or whatever to the national debt. And and then eventually, you know, they'll print up some more money and they'll spend some more and that kind of thing. And then we'll go up and we'll inflate some more. And, uh, and eventually people are going to be like, so where do we go from here? And then the other person's going to go, I don't really know what to do at this point. And then everyone's going to be like, well, I'm going to not hold my assets in dollars anymore. I'm going to cash that out. And then everyone's going to go, oh, man, me too. And then there's going to be a huge run on dollars and no one wants them anymore. And then they're going to come flooding back in. It'll crash the currency and, and so on and so forth. So, but I digress. This $3.5 trillion, I was thinking about this when I was reading about some of this stuff. Um, and this goes back to the, the piece of legislation that I was talking about prior that I wanted to compare it to because we have talked about over the course of the last year or so all of these spending packages, right, that address um, – uh, employment and they address they address clean energy and they address childcare and they address infrastructure and they address broadband and they address this and they address that. There was a piece of legislation that some of you guys may remember from several years ago that was called the Green New Deal, right? And everyone laughed about it and everyone was like, oh my God, you guys are insane. Why would you ever talk about that? Or why would you ever bring it up? But this goes back to the topic that we've mentioned before on this show. And when Michael Malice uh, refers to Republicans as Democrats driving the speed limit, or maybe it's conservatives and progressives or whatever it is. But essentially what, what it's saying is, is that you can look at what the 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 the, the platform of the Democrats are right now and say, okay, well, we already know what the Republicans pro platform is going to be five years from now, right? And so when they tested the Green New Deal and everyone laughed, uh, they were like, okay, well, we're not going to do the Green New Deal right now. And so, and so what have they done? They have essentially introduced the Green New Deal but not the Green New Deal, right? It's like the new Green New Deal, but they've done it in boxes and they've done it in packages and they've done it here and they've done it there and they've spread it out a little bit and they've talked about how we need it, right? How, how the American public needs this assistance. And so what I wanted to do was, was go back and kind of look at um, parts of the Green New Deal and how it stacks up compared to the other packages and things that they have passed um, or intend to pass in, in, in the instance of this one, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months. And so I found a good article from Investopedia, excuse me, that talked about some breakdowns as far as what the goal of the Green New Deal was. And so um, the first one, right, was providing investments and leverages to help communities affected by climate change. What have all of these product, these all of these packages done 
um, you know, talking about hundreds of billions of dollars, right? They've talked about investing in clean energy and carbon reduction and, and EVs and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and the next one was repairing and upgrading existing infrastructure to withstand extreme weather and ensure, ensuring all bills related to infrastructure in Congress address climate change. So far, check, check, right? The third one was investing in renewable power sources, check, the next one was investing in manufacturing and industry to spur growth in the use of clean energy. Check. The next one was building or upgrading to energy efficient, distributed and smart power grids that provide affordable electricity. I would say half a check. I don't think they've come out directly and talked about, you know, smart power grids or anything like that. But they have talked about... Um, you know, affordable electricity. And you see the comparisons all the time, right? How much solar and wind and, and that kind of thing are costing. Oh, you know, hey, it's gotten a lot cheaper over the last six months, you know, and so on and so forth. So they, so I'll give that one a half a check. Um, upgrading all existing buildings and building new ones so that they achieve maximum energy efficiency, water efficiency, safety, affordability, comfort, and durability. Now, I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, I haven't really looked into new building codes and stuff. I do know California, San Francisco in particular, has made huge strides in this. But as most of you would probably agree, what happens in San Francisco doesn't necessarily happen everywhere, thankfully. Thankfully, they're not exactly kind of the barometer, but it makes me think, though, that that, that is next, right? When we're talking about driving the speed limit, that's going to be maybe a couple years from now. Everybody's, everybody's target. Uh, the next one will be uh, supporting family farming, investable, investing in sustainable farming, and building a more sustainable and equitable food system. Um, I mean, I'd have to give that one a check, at least as far as the sustainable farming, right? Because we're being told now that we need to eat bugs, right? Like the cicadas are coming and they're like, oh, this is how you want to cook those up and they're going to be delicious and they're excellent. Everybody should eat these. And then they talk about, oh, how raising cattle is is going to kill the whole world and everybody needs to switch over to, to lab-made meat and, you know, and, and impossible meat and all that kind of stuff. You know what? I'm going to give that one a check. That one, that one's a check. Um, and then the last one is investing in transportation systems, namely zero emission vehicle in infrastructure and manufacturing public transit and high speed rail. Check. I mean, it's all checks, right? And so when we look back at this Green New Deal that everyone laughed at when it was originally came across, they got it, right? I mean, they got it. Um, especially when, when this $3.5 trillion plan passes, which let's be honest, it probably won't pass at 3.5 trillion. It'll probably be two or two and a half or whatever. Um, but the opposition party, you know, the controlled opposition, they're not going to, they're not going to fight it to zero. They're going to make compromises and everything like that. And, and so they'll get the, you know, they'll get something out of it. And so, Without thinking about it, all of these things that we have allowed happen, you have allowed happen, I have allowed happen over the last 18 months has essentially gotten these guys the Green New Deal. The big thing that they talked about with the Green New Deal, and maybe this is the part that they learned from, is when they were talking about, oh, green jobs and green, you know, uh, big union jobs and all that kind of stuff. So, so that part of the rhetoric um, kind of died off. But everything else, as far as the core goes, uh, I mean, we have the new 
Green New Deal. There you go. And so if, if you wanted the Green New Deal, congratulations. You got it. I mean, it's going to be a complete disaster, but you got it. You know, that's that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what you were going for. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I hope that that kind of helped you guys realize um, that, you know, again, this this impacts all of us on a day to day basis. Right. This is this is, is impacting our world around us. Um you know, and, and, and everything from universal pre-K to for four to three, for three and four year olds, that's going to impact a lot of you guys. Um, and guess what? It's not going to be for the better. Um, you know, and, and so understanding and knowing these types of things is, is very important. And, and the other big part about it too, is, is that when you see something like the green new deal that comes up and maybe it doesn't pass or maybe whatever. And, and you know, the, the right is like, Oh, that's, that's laughable or whatever. It'll happen. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen today. It might be two or three years from now. It might be five years from now, but it will, it will happen, you know, at, at some point in time. So, uh, so that's the show for today. I hope you guys learned something. Uh, I, I know I did. I, I didn't really notice a lot of those comparisons when I was, when I was really doing it. So, so it really kind of made, you know, the, the light bulb, uh, above the old head go off. But, um, but if you liked it and you got something good out of it, you got some good value, make sure you share it. Make sure you subscribe on, on whatever platform you, you generally tend to listen on, um, which which means the world to me. Uh, leave some reviews, share it with a friend, you know, blah, 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 all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, if we want the show to grow, it's on you and it's on me. And, uh, and we'll talk to you again next time. All right. Bye.